Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 125, TCEA 2013, recorded February 18th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP. Dot com. We're going to uh, sit back and let Sean tell us about the week he spent two weeks ago. Trust me, it'll be that's less right. boring than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and that Sean, of course, is Mr. Sean Kybel. Hi, brother. How you doing? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful, man. It's good to see you or uh, hear you and see you, yes, through the miracle of the internet. Yes. You know, I had one of those, uh, th- there's a podcast I listen to uh, fairly regularly, uh, uh, okay, every week. Uh, it's the uh, Judge John Hodgman podcast. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. Uh, John Hodgman is the he was PC from the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. He's he's uh, uh, written a series of books, uh, the complete book of knowledge, and that is all. And, and anyway, he is a it's a funny funny podcast where he does a a fake courtroom show. He like Judge Judy <laughs> or Judge Wapner that kind of thing, and people bring bizarre cases before him and. He dispenses fake internet justice, but he has a, a sidekick, bailiff Jesse Thorne, who is the proprietor of the Maximum Fun Network. See, I'm just plugging other networks like crazy. Yeah, and, uh, they like like us uh, have a, a series of of uh, podcasts. Uh, un- unlike us, he's a real actual radio broadcast guy. Um, but uh. Jesse Thorne has this. You know, this you have you you envision people a certain way. Trust me, yes. this is going somewhere. Uh, when you when you hear them first time, and particularly on radio or podcast, because we we sound artificial, right? We sound bigger than life. We've got the 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 compression going and the bass cranked up, and nobody sounds like they really do. Right. Um, and so I saw a picture of Jesse Thorne after having listened to him for like a year, and I was like, "Who is that guy? That's not the voice. That that's not the face that I've had in my head." for right. for all these years you know i wonder about that anybody everybody ever clicks on our videos and thinks that's not at all what mark's supposed to look like <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah probably maybe the other way around i don't know we both have pretty deep voices but i, I think mine's a little bit deeper than yours they, they probably would would put my voice with with your body and, and vice versa would probably make more sense to them I don't know. We we tend to idealize people, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm good looking in their minds, and then, <laughs> you know, and then they click on the video and it's like, oh, okay, now I understand why he does computer podcasts. Isn't that always how it is, though? You know, right. you have your favorite radio DJ, and then when you finally get to see him, it like kind of disappoints it right. for you. Oh, uh, Kid Craddock in Dallas. I I don't think you were in Dallas at the time. He's still around, but he was yeah. on a radio station called the Eagle, and he was like the number one radio morning show bar none. And the first time I ever saw him in person, my I was just shattered. It's like this is not the coolest dude on radio. It can't be. I mean, he's a little dweeb, weighs like nine pounds, and and looks like a strong wind would knock him over. But uh, you know, I had I had this you know vision of him because I was a high school kid, and he was like the coolest DJ ever. And then I saw him. He was like, he's got the perfect face for radio. Yeah, you know, that makes me think of like high school, right? It's like that's the way it should be, right? I mean, just hey, if you're a cool dude. You know, you just got a great personality and, and, you know, it attracts people to you and everything. Then that's, those are the people who should be popular, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, man, that's the most awesome dude ever. Then you see him, you're like, eh, Ooh. not so much. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you have the, the kids that do attract people, the good looking, 
you know handsome football player guy and then you you finally make it into their circle you know if you're if you're one of the guys like me and you're like this dude has the personality of a wet piece of cardboard why do people see in him right right (laughs) that was a total diversion brought to you by my twisted mind um yeah hey i i enjoyed coming along for the ride mark (laughs) thank you (laughs) All right, Mark. So on to business, and uh, we're we're still in the, what we call the warm up section of uh, of our show notes. But uh, this is kind of more of a mainstream topic. So, Mark, let me tell you a little something about how my Monday went. Uh, you know, typical Monday, come in and the uh, VM server is, is haywire, and uh, since it's running about fifteen VMs, and oh, you know, most of our critical systems, uh, it was it was a, just a very warm welcome that I received as I walked in the door today. <laughs> hey, Sean, old buddy. Hey, when you get around to it, there's a, right. this is there's this little thing. No. Yeah. So it's one of those deals. I mean, there's just there's so much going on with the dang thing that I'm just like, I'm just rebooting it, you know. Because to to sit there and try to go through this whole thing is just going to be a nightmare. Which on a big server like that can take three hours. Right. Which is about right. That's yeah. about how long it took for the most part. Um, the beauty of it is, you know, after three hours, most of my critical systems were back up and running. So everybody was, was happy again for the most part. Uh, but a couple of problems. There were a couple of the not as essential servers um, although one of them being the time clock server, which, you know, it, it's a school district. Most people are, are salaried professionals, but we do have a handful of people that have to clock in and out. So, uh, so time clock servers just didn't come back up. Um, and also, uh, kind of a weird thing, Mark, I haven't seen before and it's got me a little perplexed is, uh, my, uh, you know, the, the website is run on Joomla and, the website came back up. It was one of the last things to come back up, which was kind of a, a pain in the neck because that's the portal, right? To right. we've got all the links to get to everything else. So, um, you know, even though I was like, "Well, grade books up," uh, I hope you had it bookmarked because you can't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> <Science down. laughs> and but the either. URL is thir- thirty-seven characters long. Right, right. So I'm just like, you know, if you had a bookmarked, you can get in there. It's working fine. If not, you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. But anyway, so the website does come back up, but I cannot log in. And Mark, you know this. We have a login section on the on the front page where you can log in and submit articles the quick, easy way. Or you can go ahead and go into the Joomla administration, um, you know, side of the site and log in there and do you know administer the whole site i can't log in on either one of those it's telling me that just you know a username and password not recognized or whatever um so that's a little frustrating um i don't know if that gives you any idea about what might be going on there but uh lastly because most everything came up like i said except from having that problem with joomla and time clock server um I cannot access the web console on my VM on the actual server. So, you know, I want to get in there to the the console and just, you know, I can see my list of VMs and I'm sure time clock server just didn't start back up, you know, and click start and let it start up and uh, maybe selectively reboot just the Joomla machine. Um, but I'm a little stuck there. Everything else seems to be running okay. But those two, I'm just like, you know, 
I'm kind of clenching my teeth because the only other thing I can think of is, well, let's try and reboot the whole thing again. Right. <laughs> you do that before you go home at night. Yeah. Right, right. Um, um, so any thoughts there? Um, my, here's my hunch. Um, virtual machines are notorious across whatever platform, VMware or, or Xen or any of them. They're notorious for being uh, terrible about keeping time. Um, Active Directory and other such login devices make heavy use of the clock to keep mm -hmm. credentials uh, in sync. So if the time on your web server or on your or any of the servers are totally out of whack, that could explain why you can't authenticate. Ah, uh, yes, that does make sense. And I can actually VNC into the the VM server, so I can get to the VM server itself i just can't get to that web administration panel that you know the vmware uh, web administration panel so see i have an uh, old computer my old desktop computer at the house uh it's so old that the the cmos battery has died on it so every time it restarts it thinks it's march 2008 um, right and so every time it restarts i can't make any ssl connections including to my wi-fi which also happens to be my time server. So if I could ever get connected, it'd be able to sync up the time, but it can't do that. So uh, every time something restarts a Windows update or whatever reboots it, I have to go in there and manually reset the clock just to just to this century, you know, to this decade, and yeah, then it's it. okay. Uh, yeah, uh, get it kind of close. So uh, I'm just based on what little bit you've told me there. I think that may be why you can't log in. Now, as to the web console, um, I have no idea. I've never seen that not work. Uh, and as we were talking a little about about bef before we went off the air, I don't know of any uh, uh, a way of accessing it other than the web console. There used to be in VMware a uh, a local console, um, and a few versions back they took that away, and it's all web based. So if mm -hmm. you go to the web server and do one twenty seven dot zero dot zero dot one colon eight zero eight eight three, I think it is. Uh, do you get anything? I have not tried that. <laughs> okay. But uh yeah, I mean I had just tried the, you know, tried accessing it um, you know, through the web console, the the standard IP address that I'm used to using. Um I actually get and Mark, you'll remember this cuz we we'd get that server certificate warning. Uh-huh. Um so I do actually get that. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting it, but then it just locks up there and never actually loads. Um so yeah, it's, it was a little frustrating, and of course, I wasn't sure, so I popped in on the server since I could. I remoted into it and uh, was just sort of popping around going, well, I wonder if there's a way that I can, yeah, like you said, you know, was there a local console it's, I could pick up? Or it, Okay, I just I just Googled it. Uh, it's the, the IP address of the server, colon, uh, HTTPS, the IP address of right. the server, colon, 8333. Which um, is what, well, that's what I was using. Right. But do the local IP. Go to, go to the server itself. Do 127.0.0.1 because okay. then you're right at, at the local machine and maybe that'll help you out. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm going to give, I'll give that a shot. It's one more thing to try because aside from that, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can just, you know, cross my fingers and try to reboot the whole thing right. again. And like you said, I'll do that over an evening or something. So you may be wondering, if you're listening to this, why are we talking, why are we solving Sean's tech problem on the show? Well, because it may be your tech problem, too, or somebody you know. Uh, you know, we the, these are uh, common 
well, I don't know about common, but these are not uncommon issues. It happens sometimes. Maybe somebody out there knows a different way to access a VMware server other than the web console. If you do, let us know. Uh, but I'm not aware of anything other than pulling up the specially designed web page uh, in the VMware console. Uh, we're running this on a Linux box. Um, and when yes, I, in case you don't... Go ahead. CentOS. CentOS, yeah. I always call it CentOS. What do you call it? Yeah, CentOS. That's what I call it. Yeah. Um, and, and in case you're wondering, you know, if you're not a server administrator, you might be wondering why it takes three hours for uh, such a machine to reboot. Uh, and that's because when you're running all those VMs, uh, you know, a dozen or more, it has to shut down to, to only, the only way to do it safely is to individually shut down each of the client OSs, which takes some time. Mm-hmm. Then just uh, safely shutting down Linux uh, takes some time because Linux makes heavy use of, of memory and caching. So it keeps a lot of variables in the air and it's got to write all those to disk in a safe fashion. And then it, uh, because it's on a journaled file system, there's some uh, extra effort involved in writing the journal to make sure that the, the data can be recovered. Then it can shut down. Then it reboots, and because it's a quad, 16-core Xeon, it's a four four quad-core chips, each one of those has to boot up. It's got uh, four network cards. Each one of those has to go through a process. And so it's like five to seven minutes before you even get to the OS. That's just the BIOS and the underlying systems. Then you get to the OS. Then you start firing off each one of those OSs one at a time every two minutes uh, it tries to fire one off, then it sleeps for two minutes and then checks to see if that one came up. So it waits till the last one came up before it tries to do a new one. That's just an efficient way of doing things. And I've got them um, on that particular server prioritized. The most important ones come up first and, and the, the next most important one comes up next and so on and so on. And then I have a bunch of them uh, that you know are, are ancillary servers that come up just in random order. Uh, so you can set all that up, but that's why it takes a long time to reboot a server and uh, your users won't understand that when you tell them I need to reboot the server come back after lunch they won't understand that right right or well this is working now so why isn't everything right you know and so I spent the good a good portion of my morning trying to explain all of that you know as on as simple a terms as possible okay I understand now you can get into this but this is still has yet to come up you know (laughs) and you know Mark, you know, in, in our type of environment, uh, it's, it's the server. Like we have one, right, there's a server yeah, in the server room that runs everything, you know, that that's the call that comes in is the server down. Right. <laughs> so, so when I say something's back up, they think everything should be back up and, uh, yeah. So no matter how you try to describe that, it just doesn't ever seem to get through. So Yeah, and then the the worst. All right, so what I just described is is re- literally the best case scenario. Uh, all those things that, that go down like that in that order taking, you know, two to three hours is the best case scenario. Now, if power goes out and you don't have a battery backup or whatever, the thing hard shuts down, then it has to go through the process of recovering the journal and checking the disk. And this is on a, uh, a RAID 6 array. So the RAID array uh, might have to do some checking and some rebuilding. Um, and then the journaling system has to kick in. Then it has to, to do some scan. Just like if you've ever powered down a Windows machine and it does the, the scan disk thing before it starts, that times a 1,000. So then, you know, in that situation, it can be six hours before everything is back up and running. 
and 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 again your users won't understand that well the power's been back on for two hours why why isn't the server up yet right right yeah and for them you know because and then right we make the situation worse because we we describe it on terms of like a reboot right which is really right that's what it is but to them a reboot is you know three minutes right um so they just they just have a hard time getting that so either way yeah if you know of a way uh aside from just the web console uh to get in and manage your vms on a vmware server this is a free version by the way um feel free shoot it my way sean at elementopi.com uh and uh if, if we get any kind of interesting answers we'll certainly include it in a future show um have you tried googling it I know that probably never crossed your mind, but uh, you could do that. There's I, this thing called Google. Yeah, I did, and I didn't turn anything up, you know, uh, just right off the bat. So, uh, yeah. Other than, like you said, that that local one, I, I will certainly try. I didn't try that, so um, I'll give it a shot and see. All right. Mark, you ready to hear about the wonderful world of TCEA? You know, I am, and I'm not. Because, you know, at, at, uh, I didn't get to go and, and hurt me just a little bit. But after reading your rundown notes, maybe I didn't miss all that much. No, you really didn't. I mean, um, and I'm, I'm jumping right to the wrap up. But, yeah. but wait, but before we go any further, the, the best part of any conference of this nature is the conversations that happen in the hall and at dinner, uh, you know, at, after the thing is over and, and those sort of things. That, the, it's the act of getting... Um, 10,000 of your peers together that makes it valuable. Uh, right. the, the content, the sessions that go on, um, those may or may not have value. Often they have no value. Um, sometimes they have great value. Uh, but uh, um, the real value is in just getting together and being out of the office and sharing ideas with, with other people. And so that, uh, if anything, is what I miss uh, about not having been able to go to TCEA this year. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, and I don't know, maybe it's because of the position I'm filling now, you know, before I was the, you know, I was the guy, uh, with his feet on the ground, you know, I was always popping around and I was more in the details, I guess. And so, um, that's how I addressed the conference. I was, I was more detail oriented looking for specific things. And, uh, this year I'm more high level and it's funny because I seem to have, uh, you know, kind of approach the conference that way just from a higher level looking at you know what are people doing what are the current trends and things like that so uh so maybe it was just you know a little bit of that was me is you know I, i'm not as much into the details as i used to be it's entirely possible uh, and i will agree with you uh and mark i have to i have to throw this one out there because uh i got to meet you know one of my vendors was there and uh, she's a, I have a great rep with this vendor, uh, but her boss was there also. And so she's always, uh, trying to get me to, t to test out a Chromebook. She was always wanting to send me a Chromebook. And I mean, I'm all about, Hey, if you want to send it to me, that's great. But I'm, I was really, I'm struggling with seeing uh, a fit, like where we're going to realistically use this. Um, I mean, certainly we could sort of put them to use, but they're not like the all, you know, like where I'd be buying a whole bunch of them because there's still some holes there that they don't fill. Um, so 
I got her boss there and we were, uh, this was at a, you know, they have like these after hour social uh, deals and I just put them on the spot. I said, okay, sell me on the Chromebook because I just can't get it. As much as I love Google and I love the idea of the Chromebook, I just can't, you know, I can't justify it. And as much as he just tried to talk about what a great device it was, he still couldn't sell me on it. Right. You know, I was like, why should I buy it versus this or that? Or, you know, um, and I told him, you know, we are Google apps for education school, but you know, uh, these, these kids are going to have to, at some point open up a PowerPoint or need something that's a little bit beefier. And, um, you know, if it can't do any of that stuff, then, uh, I'm kind of stuck. And, then he said, well, you know, we sell Office 365, too, and if you sign up for that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so there was, there was all of that, too, you know, ancillary sales. But uh, So, yeah, that was an interesting conversation. But. Well, you know, just keep in mind that is their job. They are salesmen. It's what they do. So anytime you get an answer from those people, it's going to be an answer of how uh, that's going to cost you more money. Right, right. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, uh, Mark, the way I lined this out in the uh, in the show notes, I just kind of did a rundown of all the sessions I uh, I attended, um, and just kind of threw my notes in there. Um, as you know, I took notes on all of my sessions throughout the week. Um, and this week, Mark, and I don't know if we ever did this. I was there Monday through Friday. Yeah, I never. The earliest I ever got there was Tuesday because they've they've only recently started adding content on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought so too. I thought just one year we went Tuesday through Friday, but uh, yeah, this this year they had some decent stuff on Monday, so I made it down on Monday. Um, and uh, while we're not going to go into great detail on every single one here, um, some some we will, and some we'll just kind of you know glance over. But uh, I started off Monday at noon, which meant leaving uh, where I was at at like five thirty in the morning. Um, with a build your own droid app. And this was a three hour session. This was like a, almost like a workshop. Um, and you're going to see a lot of this as you, as we run through the week is I did, I, I attended a lot and there was a lot offered on mobile apps, mobile app development, things like that. Um, use cases and all of that. Um, and then there was a lot on actually mobile platforms mostly iDevices, but not all. Um, and that was not only implementation of those, but management of those. So those are going to be the two big themes of the week, um, but only because that's really what I focused in on. Um, so in this three-hour session to start off my week, uh, the presenter covered two major tools, AppMakers at appmakr.com, uh, this is a, a a web interface where you know all the development happens right there in your browser, um, and uh, the presenter. I didn't put his name in here, Mark, but Mark, uh, what a small world! This is the guy that remember we had our app, our Element OP app. Yeah. Well, this guy jumps into App Maker and he's in his account, and I see in his list of apps Element OP. <laughs> <laughs> so uh is this the fellow that wrote the 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 windows app because the uh, the the android app i did using a, a service um maybe he well just... I, 
Well, okay, so I, that's what I was going to ask you about because I really didn't know. All I know is I saw, I mean, he's got our logo and the whole Element OP. Uh, it was Android. Now, you can do, on AppMaker, you can do cross-platform as far as iOS and Android. So um, you develop it once and then, you know, through their back-end magic, um, you're able to, uh, you can publish for both. Um, do, do you remember the guy's name? Well, I, I have it. I didn't want to oh, put it out there okay. on the air, but uh, I can I can certainly shoot it to you. Because uh, uh, there, there was a fellow, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, who uh, was designing a Windows phone app for us. Okay. Um, and he, uh, Lance Howell, that's that's his name, Lance um, there's a, there's a YouTube video of it. He, that he put up there and he shared it with me and said, you know, this is a, a first example. Uh, what do you think of it? And I replied, Hey, it looks great. And then that was the end Never. of it. Yeah. You know, he moved on, I guess, uh, or, or the, more specifically the windows phone seven, uh, moved on from him, I think is what happened. Uh, but right. I think it's interesting right. that, that there was the, our app in, in this guy's thing. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting because so. I don't even remember the service I use now. It was uh, it ended up being a bait and switch. It was free and now it's not free, and it's still out there, but I can't update it. I can't touch it uh, because I haven't paid the hundred bucks a year or whatever it is that that they want from right, me. right. Well, and that's uh, and and we kind of will see some of that uh, throughout several of these tools. You know, the online, you know, actually using the web browser as sort of a development environment is becoming more and more popular. Uh, and you certainly see that in the mobile space because all these people want to have mobile apps and mobile websites. Um, but they don't know how, you know, there's not that many people that, you know, that have the programming experience. So they're, they're trying to develop these tools online that allow the average person to do it. Um, app makers, one of them, um, it's free, uh, to do a basic, uh, basic app um, and we used it and it was it was pretty cool it was it was fairly easy um, the the real big thing that caught my eye I mean there are some tools that if you're a coder you can get in and do some customizations but um, it really runs off of RSS feeds so if you have a website a blog or uh, a site that you're constantly updating with uh, you know you're selling widgets or um, or maybe it's a new site with news stories coming out all the time. It, you know, if you're really RSS feed driven, then this is the tool for you because it's very easy to put your RSS feeds in and it just creates the pages for you. Um, and then you just, it, for you, it's just a matter of getting it and branding it, um, quite honestly. Uh, so if you're looking for something like that, then AppMaker is awesome. Um, it was very easy to set up. And uh, again, there you can get in and mess around with the code a little bit. Um, but uh, that was basically it. Uh, the other one he went into was a little more advanced and that's really, this is kind of one of the tools is the MIT App Inventor, which started with Google. I mean, it was Google, or I think it was the Android App Inventor or something, but I mean, it was put out by Google. Um, I believe it was a Google Labs project. Uh, but Google abandoned it and MIT took it over. And if you, you know, if you followed this, then you knew that. I don't know, was that probably a year and a half, two years ago, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, it's, I haven't looked at it since then. You know, I dug into it when Google still had it and it was pretty cool, but it was very much a beta uh, product. 
And uh, MIT's done a great job with this thing. Um, it, it's much more slick. You can, uh, you can now, and this is just a recent development with this tool, is once you've got your app or you want to test it on your phone, you can literally load it on your phone over the air. Um, so there's no, you know, plugging it into your computer and maybe having to, you know, sideload it. Um, you just right over the air, you can load it up on your phone and run it. Uh, so that's kind of nice. Um, it's free as it always has been. Um, and they say it's web-based, but it's really, it's really kind of a hybrid because you do have to do an installation on your local machine. Um, so really it's more like, to me, it, it's more like an app that's running on your machine that is just the GUI is in a browser form. Right. Uh, you know, so uh, that's what, say that's what many Android apps are. It's just a browser. Right. Yeah. So, um, what's kind of neat, MIT's really geared it toward education. So when you go to the actual site, uh, to get this thing, they have like three, you just go in, there's like three buttons and w the very first one is teach. Um, so that teach tab has a bunch of, uh, like curriculum based stuff for teachers who want to teach mobile app development, um, either at the high school or college level. So they have a lot of resources that teachers can actually use. Then there's the learn portion and, um, you know, you can learn all about it. Uh, so it, it's it's nice that they've geared it toward education and learning how to develop mobile. Um, and then uh, I just threw in here, you know, if you're familiar with the Scratch, you know, you know Scratch, mm -hmm. Mark, right? Little kitty cat, you know, you put the puzzle pieces together and sort of teaches you programming methodologies. Um, it works very much the same way. You've got the same types of puzzle pieces. Um, so you can very quickly sort of build out the framework of your app. Um, but still, when you really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of customization, uh, you're going to have to know some code. Uh, but it's a great place to learn all of that. So uh, so that was basically it. So I walked out of that with two sort of quasi apps loaded on my phone that I had made. It was still kind of fun. So, And is that something that you will, you think there is some value in, um, you know, either of those tools or... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not really posing the question elegantly. That a lot of Android apps don't aren't really valuable, and a lot of those early learning tools aren't valuable. And, and the Scratch thing is the same way. They're, they're proof of concept, but not really anything useful. Do, you, do you think that what you learned will result in something useful? Um, you know, personally, I don't think so. I mean, I, I know for myself, um, and really, one of the last sessions of the week I went to kind of addresses this, but. I know things are going are moving to the mobile space. So the way I'm attacking it is I know that as far as representing my school, I can't just have a website anymore. I'm going to have to have something, some sort of a mobile presence, something that I can offer up to the public on mobile devices. Uh, now, personally, and even after this week, what I've really probably come more to a conclusion of is that it's probably best done with a mobile version of a site. Um, I did see schools do apps that basically just regurgitate what's on their website, right. um, but in an app form. Um, but, I, you know, like you said, Mark, I mean, really, uh, the it's kind of a blurred line, and I think you're probably better off just uh, actually going, you know, with 
uh, more of a website that's mobile based. Um, so I think that's what I'm leaning toward. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's uh, just that there are lots of good apps in the world, but there are lots more bad apps in the world. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's easy to make a bad app and lots of people do it. Uh, but it's hard to make a good app. Like, for example, the Element OP app, I don't consider that a good app. It's an okay app, uh, right. but it has performance issues. And, I, and the reason I didn't pay for the service when they went stopped from being free to started being paid is I just didn't think the app was worth it. If it had been a better app, I would have paid for it. Right. Well, and like that appmaker.com, uh, it came really close. It really had me thinking hard because I was like, well, if I do a redesign of my website and I make a lot of that content or, you know, RSS, you know, or offer it up on RSS feeds, then as we are just putting information out on the site, it's automatically updating the app essentially. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the so, responsive design, that's the word for that. Making a site that works on any um, screen resolution on any device. Uh, that's sort of the new thing is, is you make one website and you design it well, and you can see that website anywhere. Um, right. And and that works well for websites, but where where something like Element OP Productions, we need a media player. Um, right. And that's that's difficult. Um, and yeah, sure, you could just offer a feed to uh, the media player on the device, but that then what's the point of an app? Then you can just subscribe in your player of choice. Uh, you know. Right. Right. I, we've had this conversation before. I'm going to reiterate it just in case anybody out there is listening. There's a, there's a million-dollar idea that I'm handing to you, uh, and that is create a mobile player uh, or a, a unified cross-platform player that works on Android and Windows and Mac and uh, iOS and <clears throat> BlackBerry uh, and, and, and all of those so that uh, will sync. Like when I start playing a media file and stop it, that puts a little cookie somewhere on a server so that the next time I go to any other device, it remembers where I picked up. That will put you head and shoulders above everybody else. Now, here's the trick. Time code comments so that while I'm listening to a show, I can type into a comment field and everybody else who's listening to that show at that point can see that there's comments and they can scroll through the comments. So over time, the value of a podcast actually grows instead of, waning so that as as more people thousands hundreds tens uh, hundreds of thousands listen to the show their comments get fed back into that same um timeline and so you can go back and scrub through and see what other people were thinking at that point in the show even if they weren't listening at the same time now this is valuable not just in podcasts but uh, uh netflix right uh one of the um joys one of the few remaining joys of broadcast television is take a show like Walking Dead. People like to walk, watch the show and tweet about it. Well, Netflix's new show House of Cards, that, that whole possibility is gone. You build this app that I'm talking about, you can give that same experience across a non-unified um, delivery of something. So now House of Cards that millions of people can be watching at any time in any place can have that same experience. And the first person who does that and does it well will will invent the new way to to consume media. I'm convinced of that. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you can think about it like with a YouTube video. You know, right now you have a YouTube video and it's just got this, uh, you know, complete throw up of, of right. comments that just whatever is the last ones that came in. But if those comments could be, you know, if you could be like, hey, check it out, you know, at eight minutes and 30 seconds, Mark has a big old giant booger in his nose or something, you know, whatever. But it's more interactive, right? So you're watching comments as they apply to, like you said, a, a point in time with that. Uh, and the media. server resources for that would be minimal. It's just a few, it's just a put in a in a SQL database or a Mongo data, whatever, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It's just text. Uh, and you can handle millions of users on uh, on a very low pro powered website um it does it's not like streaming well, it's the media not going to take up any more any more space than normal comments would anyway right the only thing you're adding is a time code right so there's there's an idea people this is the second time i've given it to you we we talked about this uh, i think maybe two years ago it's been a while right uh, so I've, i'm giving it to you again i'm not even asking for a royalty i just want that app <laughs> right yeah give it to us for free you know if you're charging 4.99 for it just drop us a line and give it to us for free. That's right. And you make your millions and I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. But no, that's okay. Well, I, believe it or not, we're still just on Monday, but I, I will wrap up with, I had one final, uh, it was Adobe Photoshop CS6 uh, uh, session. Wasn't very long. Uh, it was just really cool. Uh, Photoshop CS6 has a couple of items like you can smart select some things and say get rid of this and somehow it fills in the background that it was never actually there in the picture. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. Um, so not anything that you couldn't do if you were skilled with these sorts of tools with GIMP or anything else, but they make it, uh, they save you a lot of time essentially. So uh, yeah, There's a word for that, automagically. Yes, yes, automagically. And Adobe Photoshop CS6 does a lot of cool stuff automagically. Uh, it also has some neat little effects, you know, fisheye lenses and stuff that uh, basically it's just some effects that you can throw in there real nice and easy. Um, Great you know, ways to make overbearing MySpace pages. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I wrapped up Monday. Uh, Tuesday, Mark, you won't believe it, man, all day long, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., the iPad extravaganza. Yeah, that, that hurt me to see that. I, I, I died a little inside when I read that. Yeah, well, and the reason I went to this thing, I mean, it, it was, I was kind of just clenching my teeth as I, I went, but I like to try to think that I'm objective. You know, even though I, uh, I'm an admitted Apple hater, um, I'm still. I, I think we have to call you a former Apple hater. I really do. Well, no, because I still, man, oh, I, I had to go to an Apple store this this past weekend to turn an iPad in to get some work done on it, and I felt like I had to wash myself off when I walked out of that store. I mean, it was just like Uber Democratville. <laughs> it's like that scene in Silkwood where she's showering. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or you know, like you know, I'm I'm quietly walking through the room full of zombies, hoping they won't notice that I'm not a zombie. You know, that's kind of how I felt. <laughs> it's the Borg, right? It, don't pay attention, don't be aggressive, they won't notice. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, 
yeah and this is kind of how that day was but so they had a ton of sub sessions throughout the day and a lot of it was you know how are we going to manage these uh mostly ipads but there were some others that were talking just about mobile in general but um a great deal of the day and the stuff that i actually attended wasn't like how to implement the ipad in the classroom or what are the greatest apps for the ipad it was more about you know managing mobile devices so mdms if you're not familiar with that term mobile device manager uh, management systems are uh, are becoming very you know a, a buzzword i guess you know uh system administrators are having to think more and more about how they're going to manage all of these mobile devices hitting their network so that's mostly the type of stuff that i attended that day uh found, found out about uh, also like you know uh, mass configurations and stuff like that. Uh, there were districts there that had rolled out 25,000 iPads. And uh, so, you know, they're talking about the struggles that they went through and uh, the, the, you know, the ongoing struggles in, you know, managing these devices that are really not designed to be managed on a network. Um, so it's been, you know, it was it was an interesting day from that perspective. I'm a very small school district, so I'm never going to be rolling out 25,000 iPads. But uh, it still was nice to be able to draw from the knowledge of people who are doing things like that. Okay. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. There wasn't really anything big. Uh, I found out that Apple configurator kind of sucks and uh, Meraki is pretty good, but doesn't really do the job. And there's really nothing out there that really totally does the job across the board. It's so. because these devices were not designed to be managed. So you're right. trying to to shim, you know, uh, a diesel engine into a Camaro. It's not what it was designed to do. Right. And it, with and with the case of Apple and uh, one of the sessions, there was actually actually three Apple reps up there. They were the ones that were presenting and they um, they even admitted, you know, Apple does some things to basically purposefully not allow you to be able to override these device settings or manage them or uh, you know, play tech God, you know, they don't want you to be able to have total control over them. So, uh, which is where I think the, the, the new Blackberry, uh, OS 10 has some real merit because they built that thing from the ground up to be dual personality. You right. Know, you've got your, your work personality and your home personality, and we give all control to the work personality, but we have this little slice of home personality that they can't touch. I think, you know, BlackBerry um, does not have a track record of doing everything right, but the things they do right, they do perfectly. So if they do this one right, it's going to be amazing. Right, right. Well, um, so that was that was all day Tuesday. Like I said, 8 to 4. So uh, I, I have was, to ask, it, how much extra did you have to pay for that day? Uh, oh, nothing. Well, I bought the premium, the premium membership, whatever uh, okay. registration, but that was only like $50 extra. It, it was worth it. And some of that stuff like the, uh, the, uh, Adobe stuff, uh, fell into that. So, cause one of those a few years ago was, uh, uh, the iPad track, whatever was like $500 extra, but you get a free iPad. <laughs> oh yeah how no, is that a free well, ipad I, and actually i think they still had that this year I, I remember seeing something where you got an ipad or something um so there was that i didn't do that one um yeah i mean no i wasn't going to go that crazy okay. um i yeah I, and i i was a little worried that the day was going to be all about 
how to use your iPad and, you know, uh, they were going to have us stand around and drink Kool-Aid or something, but, <laughs> uh, but no, it wasn't anything like that. And there was plenty in there for the tech administrator. So I was, I was actually, I was pretty happy with the day. Um, so then we move on to Wednesday. Uh, I got a good uh, Adobe Dreamweaver CS6 uh, session out of the way. Uh, learned some stuff there. Uh, if, you, if you're not a Dreamweaver user, Dreamweaver is really moving toward that trend of uh, developing cross-platform or, or for you know both the desktop and, and mobile platforms and things like yeah, that. What are they calling that? The creative cloud? Isn't that the, their new thing? Well, the creative cloud is more like um, basically you can buy all of their, and I mean everything. So I, I, I do have a creative cloud membership. It's uh, $49.95 a month, something like that. But I mean, you get everything. You get Dreamweaver, Photoshop. You get everything Adobe makes. Um, so as far as buying that stuff, it's, it's a great deal. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, so yes, I have the Dreamweaver, and Dreamweaver... Uh, what they're doing now is you have something in there is what's called a fluid grid layout. And you, so you can develop your site once and basically have a desktop version, a tablet version, and a, and a mobile yeah, version. Yeah, that's, that's the responsive design I was talking about before. You, you right. lay out a fluid table, and that table renders itself intelligently based on the device. Right. Right. So that's, that's, uh, you know, that's one nice thing that, that you have in Dreamweaver and, uh, they've, they've moved, uh, you know, full force toward HTML5 support and, uh, using, uh, JavaScript and jQuery and things like that and making it very easy to, to work that functionality and that sort of interactivity into your website. So this is where I lean more toward it, that kind of development making more sense for, my school district um, versus some kind of halfway crappy app um, that essentially is pulling the same information anyway. Uh, so anyway, learned a little bit in there. It was more geared toward for beginners, uh, which I'd like to think I'm more mid-range. I'm not an expert, but I'm not a beginner either. But I still learned a couple of cool little shortcuts and things like that. So that was good. Uh, had Tech Sig luncheon. I'm not going to say much about that other than the food was decent. Uh, <laughs> uh, TechSig, if you don't know, is kind of a professional group um, that, that I'm a member of. I'm actually a member of several SIGs. Only TechSig uh, luncheon I ever attended was uh, David Pogue, the New York Times technology oh, writer, was the keynote speaker. Nice. O outstanding uh, presentation and rubbery chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, we had prime rib, and it was uh, it was all right. It wasn't the greatest prime rib, but you know, for nothing, uh, which is what I paid for it. Uh, it. Well, other than I guess the Sig membership, uh, I was perfectly happy with that. Uh, went on from that to the computer coordinator in the 21st century, which was a panel discussion. And Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were on one of these panels in the past, right? Uh, something similar. Yeah, I've been on a few panels with some of these same guys. Yeah, so this was a panel with uh, some guys, if you, you might be familiar with these names, Mike Grass, Tim Holt, Miguel Gulen, and yeah. Sam, For, uh, Sam Farsai. Two of those four have been on this show before. Correct. 
so yeah, they're uh, they. Uh, the funny thing about these guys is that their methodologies and just their overall theory as far as how schools and networks should be managed are completely at different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where you're thinking you're going and you're going to get this consensus on what it means to be a tech a tech director for a school in the 21st century you actually just had uh arguing back and forth as to what one thought versus the other so right so i know these guys and i can tell you i wasn't even there one guy was information wants to be free if it's not free it's dead the other guy was um outsource everything put everything on the cloud don't even have a network just focus on bandwidth uh another guy was total control of everything and and uh, a forced uh, vision and a forced voice uh and and i don't know sam farsai yeah you pretty much hit the nail on the head so that was yeah that was it i mean it was everything from total freedom we're gonna all live like hippies and and sing kumbaya to dun 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 yeah so yeah so it was uh it was interesting you know at some point i was just kind of like okay i wish i could just get up and walk out of here right now but um but you know, whatever. It was representative across the board, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, so yeah, I guess that's about all I can say about that. Um, it was it was interesting, I guess. Uh, went from that to the RoboSig meeting. So this is another thing that I was going down to the conference for. Is uh, I really want to start some sort of a push uh, toward just uh, having something for for the geeky kids in my small community that don't have any sort of outlet. So I think I've talked about this over the past few weeks. Uh, you know, want to start either some sort of tech club or maybe we'll go move into robotics, but just want to have some sort of outlet for, for those kids. Uh, so the RoboSig, which is a new SIG. Um, SIG stands for special interest group, by the way. Right, right. Everybody's going, well, what's he talking about with the SIG thing? Uh, and this SIG started last year, so this, they're in their second year, and they're they're new. And Mark, you can only imagine. I mean, it's um, highly disorganized. I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Uh, but good people. So uh, I made some connections there. It's just people who have already been running similar programs in their schools and are much uh, further along than. Uh, well, I'm not along at all right now. So uh, I, I can't help but notice in the notes here. There's no love for the special interest group that I helped create. The, this the strategic open source sig yes yes uh well i actually wanted to go to that but i think it was it was a toss-up between i want to say the tech sig and the and the, I, we call it sausig the sos yeah. uh I, I think it was those two that were competing there was something competing that made me choose one it interfered way. with a free dinner didn't it somebody offered you a free dinner and it right was at the no, same time the free dinner the free lunch yeah, yeah okay. So TechSig was offering prime rib. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I couldn't make it to all SIG meetings. And this one um, wasn't much of a meeting, quite honestly. But, uh, I mean, they talked about a few things. But I, I'm, I don't think any of these people were any, in any other uh, SIGs because the meeting was uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, it had no direction at all. Yeah. Uh, but I still made some good connections there and uh, hope to turn that into, uh, you know, at least a tech club, if not a robotics program on down the line. So um, one thing that did come out of that that was pretty good, and that I'll talk about that as my Friday, was I got to hook up with the Lego robotics people. 
and they were running like some sort of uh, focus group thing, special invite deal on Friday. And got to see some of their stuff uh, before it was released, so that was kind of cool. That's a program that has just really exploded over, it's probably 25 years old now, the the Lego robots. And it turned in, you yep. know, it started out just a little thing, and now it's like a national competition, and it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually, uh, because there's several robotics like competitions, and a lot of them drive off of the Lego program, but the Lego uh, system itself is just this year having its first actual competitions, Lego competitions. Okay. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's been other uh, competitions that use that same platform um, uh, for many years now. And so, yeah, there's schools out there that have been doing this for a long time. Um, but anyway, so that was the end of Wednesday. I moved into Thursday. I got uh, Geeks and Nerds Wanted, and I was really excited about this one, and it kind of was a bust. Um, it was talking about, hey, start your own tech club and you know all this kind of stuff at your school. This is how we did it. And I was like, man, this is the one. This is the, the big session that I was really hoping to see this, this, uh, this year. And I go there, and it's, it's really it's not techs. It, it's not like you and me, Mark, running this deal. It was, it was teachers. And they were showing kids like how to, uh, you know, print, make a sign to print and stick up on the wall with, you know, <laughs> paint and, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, this teacher wanted a presentation and kids were making it in PowerPoint for this teacher. And, uh, yeah, it was sort of a letdown because it really wasn't the kind of stuff that I was thinking of when I think of tech club. I, I have to interject here just, just a little bit, a little I know the show's going long. We're 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 on track for a two hour show, but that's all right. Um, my oldest daughter, she's ten years old. Uh, a few weeks ago, ha- entered a uh, comp- a technology competition, and the category that she chose to do was um, uh, digital uh, f- photography and manipulation, which, as you know, has been a hobby of mine for years. Oh yeah, you're uh, you're really good. Uh, and uh, she got to pick the tool and do what she wanted, and, and I thought GIMP was a little over her head uh so we downloaded paint.net which is a great open source tool and i showed her just some really simple tools like uh background replacement uh uh, how to uh, make part of the background black and white or monochrome and the and the and the foreground still in color uh i showed her the clone tool she she went out and took her camera it had to be a picture they took and there had to be some manipulation that they did so she took uh, her mom's camera out and uh, it was around christmas time they went to a park around here and took some decorations of uh, uh, some pictures of decorations. And the one that uh, she, there were two of them she had to do, but the, the main one, she took a picture of like a, a toy soldier, a big wooden, like a five foot wooden toy soldier standing by itself in a field and used the clone tool and made a regiment of toy soldiers all oh, lined okay. up side by side. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then she did a, a couple of other uh, things like that. And uh, the uh, some of the comments she got from the teachers was like, I was in college before I knew how to do that. That's a, but, you know, the reason that's the case is the technology that she's using, you know, became available when that teacher was in college. But now my 10-year-old has it. So she, uh, she by the way, um, uh, it was a third, fourth, and fifth grade competition. She's in third grade, and she came in uh, third overall. So I was very proud of her for that. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, and you know, and that's kind of, Along the lines of what I was getting out of this session, you know, it was, uh, you know, teacher needs some help on how to track something and these kids would go in and 
create, you know, a Google spreadsheet for her or something, you know, so they were providing a service and that was cool and everything, but it wasn't really, you know, I mean, how we think of if we, if we thought of a tech club, you know, it wasn't uh, along those lines. So it was a little bit of a letdown, although I have to say, you know, it also kind of maybe brought me back down to earth a little bit because I'm probably, especially in the early stages, going to have to at least have some offerings like that, right? I mean, I may not get the total all, you know, not all the kids are going to be the total engineer geek. Right. Um, you know, there's going, going to be kids in there who just, you know, are interested in learning how to do some image manipulation or whatever. So, um, so at least kind of open my eyes to that, that, you know, I, I can't just be all uber geek. Um, so anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, went down i think are we still on thursday yeah uh, i'll rifle through these next ones uh the umbrella sdk and this is uh, the guy who actually built this was the was leading the session and he's from zimusoft z-i-m-u-s-o-f-t you can google that but it's the umbrella sdk and it's uh, again in browser this one is truly in browser though it's built all with html5 and javascript and uh, it's cross-platform Android, Android and uh, iOS. Um, and uh, again, you can develop your own mobile app in this deal. And it was the slickest one I saw. It was also the best one. And maybe, it, in my opinion, the reason it was the best is probably because where I'm at with these things. I'm not an expert and I'm not a total noob. Uh, so it it kind of has its own language, but the language is much easier to understand. It's like, you know... Uh, open new screen, you know, and and give the screen a name, and so it it distills some of the uh, hardcore coding that you have to do, um, and makes it very easy to develop an app, but also a little more granular control as far as customizing it and things like that. Um, the only problem is this is not free, unlike the other things I saw this week. As a matter of fact, it can get kind of expensive um, if you're just a single user and you're using it $7.95 a month if you buy a 12 month package um, or $9.95 a month if you're going month to month so you know I mean that's not super expensive but I mean I, I don't know uh, and then site licenses were like $2,500 and that's really what he was doing in the session was trying to sell it to schools as far as you know teach your kids how to right. develop apps um, and, you know, if you have a large enough site and you've got enough kids doing this, maybe $2,500 isn't that big of a deal. But to me, it was just like, well, you know, I'm never going to do anything like that at my district with this. Um, uh, you can also publish those apps straight from from that website, what, you know, that web interface. But it's $29.95 a version. is As I understood it, is basically every time you wanted to publish it. So I was thinking even if you publish changes, it was, you know, it was going to be $29.95 every time. And that was per version, you know, $29.95 for Android. Plus the 100 bucks a year subscription right. fee. Right. So as cool as it was, and, you know, if you're really into this stuff, you might want to check it out, the Umbrella SDK. But uh, but not free and, you know, not really, in my opinion, cheap even. Um, this is uh, not went, tight waterproofed. Right, right. Uh, then on down to, I, I went to one that was called Developing Mobile Apps. You can do it too. And that was a school district called, I think it was Judson ISD. Um, 
And what was really nice about this one is they didn't really go into, I mean, you got to see their app, which they developed using uh, a service called Conduit. Yeah, that's the one that made our app. I, I, I knew as soon as I saw the name. Yeah, um, which is really good. And they, they went a little bit into, you know, hey, how easy it was to do it. But they this district's so large that they have like their, you know, they have multiple full-time programmers on staff. So they used this to sort of flesh it out, and then their programmers got in and did some really hardcore stuff with it. Um, and even then, you're talking $39 a month that right. they're paying for this thing. Uh, again, if you're a huge district, that's just a drop in the bucket. It's it's a no-brainer. For a district like mine, I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm paying $39 a month for anything. So, <laughs> uh, so, so either way, you know, that, but that's not really what this session was about. This session, they went into a lot of, they had a ton of infographics and talking about how, you know, just over 14% of their overall website traffic was coming from mobile devices. And they had seen that come up from 8 and 10%. And, you know, so, uh, you know, they had been doing a lot more watching their analytics. And uh, and then they they threw out one that was like twenty three percent of all web traffic is is mobile now, and uh, uh, that parity will be uh, parity between desktop and mobile devices, um, or traditional web browsing and mobile devices will be achieved somewhere in twenty fourteen, the early part of twenty fourteen. So. They're just basically talking about how they saw the trend going and they felt like they needed to establish this, you know, themselves in this mobile space and and why they felt like they needed to do that. So uh, that was really the value in that session. Uh, it's kind of opening your eyes, especially to a smaller district, you know, sort of seeing the the, the trends. Um, and that was it. And then I had Friday and Friday was Lego. Uh, Lego was cool. Hey, if you're out there and you're thinking about getting into robotics and using Lego, don't buy it yet because they're coming out with this new kit that interfaces with mobile and does all this cool stuff. Um, it's called the EV3 and that's coming out in the second half of 2013. So I found that out. Uh, got to be a part of their focus group, which I thought meant I was going to get to lay hands on this EV3 and play around with it. Uh, what it all actually ended up being was they're also rolling out like web training and they had you go through the web training with their existing kits and they wanted to observe us and see like how well we got it and uh it, you know so they just wanted to see how good the training was that they developed then the funny thing is they ask at the end of it you know they do these questions you know and like so how much would you expect to pay for something like this this training and I was one of two administrators in there, and I'm like, quite honestly, if I paid all this money to buy your product, I expect the training to be included. I don't expect to pay a dime for it. Um, and I waited to see. It's kind of one of those moments where you wait to see if they're going to smile or, or want to kill you. Uh, and they were very receptive. So to the Lego people, one, thanks for letting me participate. And two, uh, they did a wonderful job of being receptive and actually listening to what we had to say. Or at least pretending like they did. Sure, you know, I mean, I guess we'll see, you know, if they if they roll it out and and it's actually included and free then great if they're rolling out this training and it's an extra, you know, $30 a person or whatever to take this training then clearly they could care less what Sean had to say. <laughs> <laughs> um aside from that, I went to the closing keynote. It was the only keynote, you know, they have a keynote like every day at this thing. Right. And uh, it was the only keynote I went to was the closing keynote. It was a uh, gentleman by the name of Seth Madison. And I guess he's around 30 years old, maybe 32, something like that. He's billed as like a generations expert. And he went on and talked about the difference between 
Like you have the traditionalists, which are people that were born in the early part of the 20th century. 20th century. Then you had the baby boomers, you know, all the World War II people, or, or the, I guess, the babies born to all the World War II people. Right. And the Gen Xers, that's you and me, Mark. And, uh, and the then slacker the slacker generation. Right. And then the millennials. And so he went on and talked about all the differences uh, between these generations how they grew up, the values they had, the, uh, he related it to, to technology. And, um, it was, it was quite interesting. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, you might look him up, Seth Madison. It, it it's kind of eye opening some of the things that he had to say and, uh, sort of start, starts to make sense. So when you're dealing with somebody younger, that's dealing with technology and they don't get you and you don't get them. Well, he explains a lot of that. So, right. um, so I'm going to wrap up. I know we thought we'd never get there, but uh, <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah. My overall impressions, uh, one attendance was way down and they were trying to bill it like, Hey, we're doing great. This is the most awesome year ever. And the numbers came out at the end there and it was like 8,000 people attended. And, and, I know and I'll, I'll bet you a dollar that of that 8,000, at least a thousand were presenters. They like to roll those numbers in too. Sure, sure. Yeah, right. Exhibitors, and, you know, people yeah, who right. paid and to be there. Things like that. Uh, so, yeah. It, and two years ago, I remember the number was, well, it, it was 13,000 plus. Um, so, you know, not to knock on the con the convention itself, because it's not. I think it's just, a, you know, it's a, a real good sign of the times is right. really it. I mean, school districts here in Texas, Texas have had a huge, taken a huge budget hit. Um, from the state government and that's starting to show i mean this you know districts can't afford to send as many people to this convention anymore uh, so i feel very fortunate in the fact that i got to go uh, and then another is just a huge shift toward mobile and you saw it everywhere you went more people carrying tablets of all all shapes and sizes but uh tablets easily outnumbered laptops and that's this is the first year that i remember seeing that i don't know you went last year mark and i didn't was it was that the case last year um no it wasn't i would say it was one-to-one -one. uh it was it was pretty even but there were still a lot of geeks carrying around their backpack with the laptop in it yeah well yeah this year very clearly um the tablets have taken over and that's because the, uh, the tablets have finally gotten useful you know it took yeah. them that long to get there well, you know, and you, you joke, you know, about me using the iPad as a, as a, um, laptop. Um, but that's it. I mean, it really, it, it really is. It's, it's like both devices to me, you know, um, once I throw that Bluetooth keyboard on there, uh, I can do most of what I need to do, but granted, I did certainly bring my laptop with right. me as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. In those Adobe workshops. Yeah. I was had to break out the, uh, the laptop there's no way i was doing that stuff on an ipad um so you know I, I, how is the bandwidth they always crumble under the weight of you know you've got eight thousand people there each of those people have three devices on them uh, how did they hold up this year um i noticed in the common areas it actually wasn't too bad uh and it's really odd like i'm not I, i'm not a wi-fi guru you know i'm not a wireless guy so I don't understand how they do it, but it's, you know, when you step outside the door of the convention center, I mean, you lose connection, right? It's, it's amazing how, how refined they have those ranges and the same thing, like in the common areas, the bandwidth was not bad at all. As soon as you stepped in those session rooms, which the session rooms have their own access points in them, 
but those access points are obviously not as robust because you get in those session rooms and everything just bogs down and you can't access anything. Yeah. I was at a training uh, center um, uh, a few months ago, and uh, I, I, I looked up. People don't look up. Look up every once in a while. You see interesting things. Uh, right. And in these classrooms, the the cell reception and the Wi-Fi, everything was just terrible there. And and I looked up, and I saw that the ceiling grid, you know, where the we have the usual drop-down tiles, there in this training center, they were made up of aluminum grids. Uh, so basically, every room was a Faraday cage. They intended oh, right. because you that way you can't be distracted. You walk in, you're in a training room, you're gonna do our stuff. Your Twitter right. is not gonna be beeping. You're not gonna take a phone call. It's not possible. So they built every room that way, and I thought that's you know that's brilliant architecture because the second you walk out of the room, boom, four bars, you can do what you need to do, and then the second yeah. you walk back in, it's dead. Well, and we experienced that, Mark. You know, uh, at, at our school district. Uh, we had one of those buildings that was, you know, built in like the 1920s, right. and they would do the the chicken wire yeah. with plaster over it, and that was horrible for Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, you literally had to have an access point in every room, sometimes more than one. Right, right. So, but yeah, so not only the shift in mobile and just the people who were there is what I noticed, but that there's this huge shift. You see the schools, and particularly the larger schools, are really leading the way, but. You start seeing it moving more and more into the classroom, uh, districts opting to purchase tablets uh, versus laptops and other devices. Um, you know, we're not anywhere near like a majority, but uh, but it certainly was eye-opening and just seeing that that's certainly the direction that things are going. And uh, with that big push, you know, all of the shortcomings that exist now, I'm sure, you know, we're going to solve those problems uh, going into the future. So that's it. There wasn't a lot of wow this year. There wasn't anything that I was like, wow, I haven't seen that before. Wow. I can't wait for that. You know, not, not really any of that this year. And, uh, you know, TCEA has been, and probably still is, uh, one of the two largest, they go back and forth. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, the Florida Education Technology Conference, uh, FETC. There's the Texas Computer Educator Association, TCEA. And then there's ISTE, the International Society for Technology Education. And those three sort of fight every year for the biggest one. And um, right. over the last several years, TCA has won. Um, and I don't know if that'll be the case this year. Uh, so that's that's why, you know, you might think this is uh, very Texas-centric, but it's really not. This is the the biggest thing in the country uh, or among the biggest in the country. So what what's going right. on there mirrors what's going on in the rest of the world, or the rest right. of the country at least. Yeah, and we had, you know, we have uh, people from all over. I mean, we have people down from Canada and all over the United States. So uh, there was a, there were a lot of people from Canada. It was kind of funny. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, again, great thing. If you're ever sort of in the area or you're interested in going, it's almost it, pretty much always the like the first week of February. Okay, the first so. full week of February. Yeah. So uh, right check after it out. the Super Bowl. And that's it. I don't have a tip of the week this week because, well, I pretty much threw in several over the course of all of that. So uh, feel free to check that out. I put links in the show notes. So, uh, you know, there'll be some things in there. Um, and particularly with the with the the browser-based app development stuff, man, just Google it because I probably could have listed off, uh, you know, easily a dozen. I mean, there's all kinds of these sites popping up now. Um 
but there's just you know there are too many i mean you're gonna have to do the homework yourself right <laughs> uh quick shout out to robert williams who will be transcribing this for you uh in the days to come he's been doing a great job of of uh doing that for the last uh six or seven shows now and uh this yes. will be the longest one he's had to do with probably the most links he's gonna have to track down but thanks for doing that robert uh go ahead and put that in the notes shout out to yourself um yeah and uh, we appreciate you doing that if you would like to uh uh get a hold of us contact us in any way you can do that over at elementop.com again that's where these notes will be in great detail uh, usually a few days after the show comes out because he's got to listen to it first we don't give him uh the show ahead of time uh so if you're watching this on youtube or heard it somewhere else on the blueberry network or uh, Stitcher Radio. Uh, go over to elementop.com. That's our home uh, home base. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, you can right. find the other shows that we do. We do uh, a few other shows on this network. Uh, whenever I uh, get around to it, <laughs> we have also we have forums there where you can uh, uh, communicate with the rest of the Element Op community. And uh, and there's also all sorts of ways to contact us. Big big prominent contact us button right at the top of the page, or if you happen to have a phone nearby, pick it up. Dial anywhere uh, in the uh, continental U.S. and Canada. Dial five five nine I am Opie, um, and you can leave us a voicemail there on the Google Voice, and we will play it on the show. So we look forward to hearing from you. And that's all I got to say. Well, I only have one other thing to say, and it's. Probably because I did most of the talking this week, but it was a great show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that uh, bit of modesty in place, uh, I have nothing else to say, but this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>